So we're, we're in a nine-week series called Simple, and the idea of it is that I believe Christianity is the most complex, simple thing ever. I know you've heard me say that for a couple weeks in a row, but um, there's, Scripture says that there are things about the kingdom of God or there's things about Christianity or our walk with God that we'll never understand, we'll never comprehend until eternity, until all this stuff. And so to just say, hey, it's simple, we can figure it all out, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is uh, Jesus said, and the way that he came and lived and showed us how to be is he would go to a tax collector and say, hey, come follow me. We'll figure this out as we go. Uh, he said, you know, my, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Basically, uh, at that time, it just kind of blew everybody's mind. He's coming and saying like, hey, you can do this. We can all do this. Like we were saying this morning, I'm, God is for us. He's with us. He's like cheering for us. And so uh, there's a lot of things that we overcomplicate. And sometimes we let tradition do that, or sometimes we let maybe religion or the way that we've always done it is kind of the thing that maybe mucks it up and gets it messy for us. Uh, but church and being a Christ follower is meant to be simple. Uh, coming to Christ and being a follower, I'm not saying it's easy, but what I'm saying is God's design for you to be able to access him uh, is simple. And, uh, and that's what sending his son Jesus did for us. And, and you go through the Old Testament, all the, all the things they used to have to do to, to pray or to be in the presence of God, all these rituals. When Jesus came and the, and the story goes, you know, when he tore the veil and uh, we were then, because of the blood of Jesus, we were then able to access again uh, Jesus, just come right to him. So it's simple. There's this idea that it's simple. And uh, the key that I like in that video is it says this, we're painting the masterpiece of our life. We're trying to paint this masterpiece of our lives and who we want to be and what we want to get to and what we want to achieve. But what I love about the video is it's like, hey, it started way back with just one step, just one stroke. It was one thing at a time. You've heard me say this all the time. There are the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. We all know we should eat better. We all know we should do this. We all know we should do this. But the largest gap in the world is between knowing to do it and actually doing it. And so how do you close the gap? It's like what it said, one simple step at a time. You take one step. The scripture says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. It didn't say the leap of the righteous. It didn't say the giant. No, it said one little step. So we always get really caught up in the complications of you have to be this great man of God, faith, blah, blah. And, and that's fine. We all want to achieve great things and go do great stuff for God. But it starts with stewardship, one simple step at a time, one foot in front of another. Uh, bless, we bless you and we want you to go for greatness and all that kind of stuff. But if you're all over the place, I mean, if you're walking like a crazy and you're you know, five steps forward, ten steps back, and there's grace for all that. But that's not how you want to live. Like, that can't be your design. Uh, you want to take one step at a time. Just, and so it's simple. It's, it's one, the steps of the righteous or order of the Lord. It's about stewardship. And so we're taking a look at all these different topics of simple, being a Christ follower. Let's boil it down. Let's make it simple. And um, today is going to be interesting because it may be a concept that you've heard. It may not be. But I want to talk about how God's design and his desire is simply to be in fellowship or to be in relationship with you. Uh, we're even going to talk about how God calls us friends. You've, a lot of us have probably heard the song, I am a friend of God. But, but literally, God's design and what he says here in Scripture is that he wants to be a person who is in friendship with you. Now, he's also a God who is lordship of us, and he's lord of our life, and we respect him and we honor him and we praise him and exalt him in that and of that. 
but he's also a God who wants to commune and be in relationship with us. Genesis chapter 3 says this about Adam and Eve. Anytime you want to look at God's original design for how we should live, you should look at the garden because that's the way he said it to be is the garden. And so the scripture says in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve heard the sound of God walking among them in the cool of the day in the garden. And so if they heard that and they, and they recognized that, they didn't say that it was for the first time. It didn't say that they were scared of it. It didn't say that anything like that. The scripture says that they heard it and it was almost commonplace for them. Why? Because some scholars believe that God himself in the Garden of Eden would walk with Adam and Eve. And so if we're going back to the design of how God set things up, then you have a God who is in fellowship with the people he created because he cares about them and loves them and wants to be in relationship with them. And so for you, God created you. Amen. Everybody, right? Like God had a plan in that. And uh, the odds of you being born from conception to plopped out on the floor is, uh, sorry about that, but that's how it works. That was like uh, from my youth ministry days, like, you know, that would be how I'd get kids' attention back. So it worked for you guys too. But um, so from conception to that just beautiful, miraculous birth, is that better? Uh, 130 octillion things had to happen perfectly for you to be born. That's 130 with 27 zeros behind it. Uh, that many things had to happen exactly in place. And so some say, well, you know, I don't know. My, you know, my parents, I don't know if they wanted me. I don't know if da, 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 da. No, God had his hand in 130 octillion things to make sure you made it here because he cares that you're here. He's got a purpose for you. Somebody say amen. And so he cares about you being here. He created you. He was a part of that. He, just like with Adam and Eve, he wants to be in relationship with you. And the problem is church and sometimes tradition or religion or super high up religious people uh, have fallen for this idea or they've gotten tricked into this thing that we need to make God this big, unapproachable, angry, Old Testament God who hates you and wants to throw lightning at you. And we're just the scum of the earth over here that, oh, amazing grace, we're just going to make it. You know, if we, but no, God's up here like cheering for you and believes in you and wants the best for you. He's not some angry guy up on some throne who hates you. He's somebody who's like wants to be in fellowship with you and believing and excited about the things you're excited about. Somebody say amen. amen. I helped put the stage down this morning, so that was probably my fault. We're going to squeak. Um, that's not funny to you? Okay. See, you, you don't hear the squeak? Okay. So I want to share this. The scripture says this, and you've heard me say this. Um, Peter said in some of his writing, in some of his writings, uh, they would they would start out. Some of the New Testament writers would start out a lot of their writings, and they would say, "It's good that I remind you of these things," or we would call it an exhortation, meaning uh, I'm going to tell you or speak of something that I know you already know about, because it's good for us to be reminded of these simple concepts, because we have a way of getting off the path, and so uh, it's good for us, even though you may have heard these ideas that I'm about to share, or they may sound simple. Uh, it's good for us to keep these things in mind. And so here's what I believe. The devil or the enemy, he's not a creator. He can't create. All he can do is twist what God created. And so he can't just say like, hey, I'm going to create sin. And then that over there is called sin. Uh, he has to take what God made great and he has to twist it and he has to, and he has to strip it down and he has to kind of mess with it. And so... Uh, there's a lot in there, but I'll leave it alone. So he can't create, okay? So he can't create. So all he does is he takes what's good 
and he twists it. And so the example for us is this. The devil understands that if we ever understand that God is for us and he cares about us and he wants to have a real relationship with us that matters to us on a daily basis, not just a relationship where we come visit. We aren't supposed to have a custody relationship with God where we just visit him on weekends, Sundays, somebody say amen. We should be in relationship with him like all throughout the week. And the enemy's like, okay, I can't let them do that. So how can I get them off the path in a way that you know, we twist it and they see God as this angry God or this God who doesn't care or this God who doesn't answer or this. And so he's done a good job confusing people and confusing all of us with this maybe idea of religion or tradition or this thing that's got us as this God who's this rule book instead of this God who cares about you and is passionate about what you're passionate about. Somebody say amen. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. So check this out. I've no longer called you servants because a servant does not know his master's business or his master's ways or his master's heart. So about us, he's saying, no longer do I call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. He's saying, I've made it that this relationship between God and you, and I've made it that this you're not a servant. You're a friend of ours because I've shared my heart. I've showed you what I care about. I showed you what I'm passionate about. And so for us, what that means is, how do you understand God's heart? How do you get it? How do you know what the master's business is? Well, that's where you look at the word. That's why he gave us his will. If you die, so you're kicking the bucket, you die. Most of us hopefully wrote a will, right? So we wrote our will. And what is our will? It's, it's our heart towards the people that we love, or it's our our business towards the people that we love. Like in my ending here, here's my business. Here's my heart towards you. Here's my final passion or my final heart. Well, that's what the will, that's what the word of God is. It's God's will. It's God's words towards you. So he's saying, my business is this. Here's the Holy Scripture. Here's the words. Here's what I believe. And so that's where we dig into it. That's what he's, the Scripture says. It's all been made known to you. Do you want to know how God feels about you and how he cares about you? It's all made known to you through Scripture. Amen? I know this is a lot, but we'll get there. So three myths. I have three myths that I want to talk about. Three things that just aren't true that we have maybe believed about our friendship or relationship with God. And again, I know this is super practical, but again, it's the largest gap in the world, what we know to do and what we actually do. If we live these things out, uh, then we'll see a lot of fruit in our lives. So the first thing I want to come against is that, number one, people think that our communication with God has to be astonishing or some biblical proportion. Uh, people think, okay, it's time, I'm going to pray or I'm going to seek God. And you think that it has to be like this hallelujah chorus comes on and a bright light shines down and God in this deep voice says, my son, my beloved, whom I love. And this big like Exodus, like Genesis type Old Testament revelation, we think it has to be this big deal. And I know a lot of you are like, I don't know if I, I don't know what he's talking about. No, listen, let's just put ourselves on the table. Uh, how many of you, when it comes to prayer time, like, oh man, I need to pray today. I need to pray. How many of us like have to set the room, right? We go like you change the lights and we get our books and our Bible and we get our pens and we just, okay, Lord, I'm ready for you to like, and there's a time and a place for that. I'm not making fun of it. I do the same thing. Go get my iPod. You'll see it has a study slash prayer podcast and like, or a playlist. It has all that. That stuff is important. 
But how many times do we make it about this routine or this astonishing like atmosphere and ritual? Who's with me? Amen? Anybody with me? Okay. There's this deception that says it has to be this thing when really God is like, no. You know, my wife and I uh, will have intelligent talks or heart-to-heart issues in the van. We'll do them walking down the road. We'll do them while we're, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't say it's like, well, I need to, need to really talk to Jess. I need to, you know, we need to have a heart-to-heart here. So, uh, hey, Jess, I need you to come in here. I got like the lights and my books and my pen and let's, like, let's really have a relationship right now. Let's really do our thing. And I'm not coming against all that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying, isn't it interesting how we just say, oh, my relationship with God has to be that over there instead of just this very genuine. God called us friends. He says that we should know what his business is. Amen? Every time we go to pray, it doesn't have to be this big, formal, uh, astonishing, heaven light shining down on us type thing. Uh, I love this about going to God is it's focused. I want you to hear this part too. And I know, again, this is really practical because you're all just looking at me, but um, it doesn't have to be really this big, big thing. Here, let me put it to you like this. Even when you go to God, here's what I want you to know. You don't have to get into this big routine and pray to God and seek God and all this kind of stuff. Um, God is listening. God is hearing you. Uh, One thing that's really frustrating, and a lot of you guys know this, uh, my wife's pregnant right now. Um, What, like 10 weeks? Was it right now? 10 weeks, yeah. Uh, so all of you have heard of pregnancy brain, right? Everyone's not laughing. Like, I'm not touching that. I'm not choosing a side. So when a woman gets pregnant, the baby automatically eats half of their brain. It's science. It's science, right? Can somebody test it? You guys are all leaving me up here hanging. Fantastic. I love you too. Um, Dustin's with me. He doesn't even know what I'm talking about. So, (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) Right. So, here's the deal. So, pregnancy brain happens. And so, what you're not going to get with God is this. And I'm not here to make fun of my wife, even though I'm going to. Pregnancy brain. And I love it. Um, And so, you come home. you got all this stuff. We're in a hurry to get to the next thing. And so, it's like, come home. And I fire off all these things. Like, we got to do this. And all of a sudden, she's like, what did I wear yesterday? Did I wear that thing? Like, where are you? Like, where's your mind? I just said we had to talk about all these things. None of you guys are relating to that, but it's true. You just don't want to laugh next to your wife because you're going to get the elbow. But with God, and that's fine. Like in the South, they taught us to say this, bless her heart. You can say anything mean you want in the South. You just have to end it with just bless her heart, bless her heart. Then it's okay. But uh, you, so, you know, it was, and here's what's okay about digging a hole. She's going to go home and take a nap and forget about it anyway. So it's like, man, so I'm fine. That's how pregnancy works. So, okay. So let's back up. So with God, we have a tendency sometimes to feel like God may be that way. God, I'm telling you my heart and I'm doing all this thing and I'm not hearing anything. I'm not getting it. I'm not. There's like this blank stare from God. But I think a lot of times we look for it in the wrong place. So God has given us his will. He showed us his business. He said, hey, here's how it operates. Here's how it. So a lot of times we pray to God, God, and we're waiting for like this bright, shining light, this big, astonishing moment. And God's saying like, hey, go back to my word. I left everything in my word. Like, and I can't tell you how many times in scripture I'll pray and pray, worship and worship and worship. And I just got nothing, get nothing. Open up the Bible. Boom. 
there's the answer, there's the thing, there's the thing. And so a lot of times in our relationship with God, we think that that's like only prayer. We think that to have a relationship with God or a functioning friendship or relationship with God is only like prayer or worship. But I'm encouraging you, it's also your Bible. It's the word because that's God's will towards you. That's his heart towards you. And so a lot of times it's not a big, bright, shining, burning bush, like Old Testament revelation type thing. Sometimes it's open up the word. Oh, God, that scripture's for me. It's God still speaking to you through Holy Scripture. Amen. Uh, I love that. So number two. No, let me, let me back up one more second. Uh, I love this thought, and I'm just putting out practical stuff to you because that's just what I'm doing. So communicating with God is through prayer uh, and through reading the word, as I just said, and then also through worship. But again, I want to encourage you in this. It's not in this real routine. Uh, I love uh, lawn mowing, like mowing the lawn, uh, like a riding lawnmower. So uh, I'll get on the riding lawnmower, and, uh, and Jess will be like, hey, so like, how long is it going to take you to mow the lawn? I'm like, at least four hours. And it's because I like do it four times every way, like different ways, you know, like I make logos in the yard, like when I have a thing. So, um, but swear to you, some of my, some of my best time with God is like, is, is out of the office, is out of church, is out of, get on the lawnmower and like, just talk to God. So, I wrote down, like, some of you run. <laughs> like, to me, that's witchcraft. So if you can merge, like, witchcraft and running. But some of you, like, if you want to, like, draw strength in your relationship with God, don't, like, say, okay, I'm going to run. I'm going to go for a run with God. And then you get all your books and you get all your things. Just, just go run and just talk to God about what you're doing. Talk to him about life. Uh, I thought about this. So worship uh, a lot of times we say worship is just singing or whatever. Your heart worships when it responds to God. That's what worship is, when your heart is responding to God. You can go get your family, head down to Holland, take a walk on the pier, see the sunset, see the brilliance of the lake, and go, wow, look at you, God. That's worship. When you acknowledge, when you have like a heart acknowledgement of the goodness and the greatness of God, that's, that's worship. And so it's the same thing I'm encouraging you. Be free. Like, yeah, take a, take a list of things you're going to go pray about and go out there and go for a run and mow the lawn. But that's relationship with God. That's friendship. We make it, oh, it's got to be this little prayer room and we got to light incense and do all these things. Uh, prayer is just your everyday relationship or communication with God. Amen? Number two, a little bit of what I was just saying. Prayer doesn't have to be a ritual, this big formal procedure. Uh, we make it this big thing with all these rules uh, prayer should just be as normal as communication. Uh, Matthew 6, 7. Matthew 6, 7 says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. So the word pagan here is the really religious people of the time. So like, hey, don't, because he's saying, hey, don't be like the people who are just babbling on with all these big, formal, like organized church words. God already knows what you're in need of. Just have that relationship. Here's the thing. My daughter is uh, 19 months old. Almost 20 months is right. 20 months. She's 20 months now. Um, I'm trying to scale it back now. Like, oh, no, she's still so young. Um, Here's the thing, and she's starting to talk. She's starting to say all these words. She's starting to communicate. And here's the thing. When she comes to me in need, most of the time I already know what she wants because she saw the applesauce or she saw the whatever. She comes stumbling over to me, and she can't say everything perfectly. 
And so she comes to me and she puts together some words. I want da, 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 da. And because I'm her father and I already know what she's in need of, I don't say, until you say it perfectly, you go over there. Until you can come to me with all your organized, perfect religious language, I'm not going to meet your need. Go back. No, I'm her father. I know what she needs. Or at least her mom does. Go find mom. <laughs> so she usually comes to me for candy. The rest is like mom. So, um, so that's how God's heart is towards you. God's probably sitting there like, look, I know you want the applesauce, but why are you wasting my time with all these crazy words? Just come to me with your heart and tell me what you want. To, like, let's be in relationship. Somebody say amen. That's how prayer should be. Don't waste all your time babbling like the pagans so that you can be heard. And to, no, come to him with your heart, with the rawness, because he already knows what you need. God knows what you need. But the, the purpose of prayer, I think, sometimes is for us to declutter the things that have been distracting us from our relationship with God. So we sit down and we focus on, okay, God, my relationship with you is important. I want you to be involved in what I'm doing here on earth and in life. Keep me focused. And I think it pushes away a lot of the clutter uh, from what gets called into our lives. Jeremiah 3, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So God has the, the plan or the strategy. He's saying, call to me, come pray to me. Those things that you need of, I have your strategy. I have your success. I have your need. I have your plan. Call to me and I'll show you those great and mighty things that you need in your life. Amen? He's like the coach. He's just got a, a much better perspective than what you're seeing. Uh, and so he called to him and involved him, uh, not because he wants to rule you and, and, and make you his robot. No, it's because he wants to be a part of what you're doing. Somebody say, that's good. David, if you want to come up, I'll close with this. This is my last thought, point number three. We get a huge misconception about prayer or about our relationship with God, and I think this is like the biggest thing that holds us back from, from living the way that we should, is number three, we get this idea that God is here to serve us, that God, our relationship is about God serving us. Uh, check this out. God, a lot of times for us, we can make him out to be our genie in the bottle. Just go, oh my gosh, I, I got this thing. I need to, you shake your Bible and hope that God pops out and answers your thing, your three wishes. But that's not a relationship. That's not, that's not, that's not what God's intention is. A lot of times we think, uh, you know, hey, if, if I just come to God and, 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 and he'll answer my need and my relationship is just this whole laundry list of God, I need you to fix this. It's a honeydew list for God. Hey, God, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. Okay, thanks. See you later. I'll be back with some more need. <laughs> but I think that God is not intended to be our spiritual vending machine. It's like, oh, I'll do a couple things over here and push a couple things, and then I'll get this from God. I think that the, the bonus of being in relationship with God is that he provides for us. But just the relationship with God should be enough. We should be in a place that that just the friendship, that his heart towards us, his love towards us should be what we pursue, not the stuff. We pursue, like we said last week, the, the blesser and not the blessing. And we do it because we want to be in relationship with him. Too many of us have this spare tire relationship with God. Everything hits the fan. Oh my gosh, where's God? Where's God? Oh, go get, go get God. We got to pray. We got to, and then he bails us out. Oh, phew, good thing we have that spare tire God. And everything goes back to normal. We live our own ways on our own kind, our own time, our own thing. Oh, no, something bad happened. Where's the spare tire? 
And that's just not God's design. And it's funny to me too, a lot of Christians, and I'm not here to like rip on people, but I'm just saying this is a huge way that the enemy holds us back. As we go and we live our own life, our own selfish choices, our own selfish things, and we go on our own, on our own, on our own, and then when it falls apart and we hit the ground, we go, God, come save me. Come bail me out of this. Come bail me out of this. And then you just have this spare mentality relationship with God that, oh, I'm in trouble. I need God. Oh, I'm in trouble. I need God. Now, listen, that's God's heart towards you is to save you wherever you are. That's what it's about. That's why he sent his son to come and save you. But if that's the most that you can believe God for a relationship for, you're missing out. If you're saying that's enough for me is that I have a God who will bail me out, you are missing it by a mile. You're missing so much more that God has for you because the scripture says that I came to give you life and give it to you better. The life that you're living, the everyday life, God's design is for you to have the better kind of life, not one that just, oh no, we're in trouble again, go get God. No, God should be involved in your everyday and in this relationship because that's the best way to live. Amen? I know I'm all over the place, but a couple more thoughts here. I always thought about this, and then I actually read in a book this statistic. It really put it in perspective. I always thought if God wanted to be in relationship with us so much, like, why isn't he here? Why did Jesus leave? Why couldn't he stay? Why don't we have him teaching and leading? And uh, he talks about it in the book of John, but I want to read you this. If Jesus stayed here and there were seven, seven billion people on the, uh, through history, seven billion people, for you to get time with Jesus, you would have to wait in line for 85 years and you would get two seconds with Jesus. You get two seconds. So 85 years, you'd get two seconds with Jesus, which would be a pretty incredible two seconds. But check this out. Jesus said in John 16, it's better that I go to my father, which we'll read here, John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to help you. So of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the third, he's saying, hey, it's better that I go and send my Holy Spirit to be with you because that's the better way. Because obviously, if we just had Jesus here, you wouldn't have the time. There's all that stuff that he's saying. Uh, and he could do miraculous work while he's here. I'm not saying that. But even Jesus here is saying, it's better that I send my Holy Spirit to be with you. Uh, the part of the Trinity that's with you in the scripture, there's, uh, he says, the helper or one word is the comforter someone who can be with you in this daily relationship that we're talking about. And uh, my encouragement to you is that, is know that you have somebody, a comforter. It's to your advantage that the helper comes and helps you in life. You don't serve an angry God who's, oh, this, oh there they are again, messing things up there. No, we have a, a helper who's here and cares and is with you. Amen? Why don't you stand? I know we covered a lot of ground there, but I guess in closing, my last hurrah to you is this week, I want you to do some out-of-the-box things that maybe is different from how you've always done it, that's maybe different than how you were even maybe taught to do it. I'm not saying getting into weird, like, unbiblical practices, but I'm just saying challenge yourself to, to look at your relationship with God in a different way. 
Let me know, like, you can spend a lot of time with somebody, and it's still great time, and you love them, and nothing's changed. But then when you just, you get away, or you go somewhere else, or you do it a different way, it's, almost, it's like you see another side of it. That's what I'm trying to get you to do this week, is just try to, try to have a different level to your relationship with God. Do the run, mow the lawn, do something, and just make that your prayer time. Don't get so caught up in like the routine or the ritual, because then the problem is you put your focus on that instead of on God and hearing and being in relationship. And so in closing, know this, that our God, who we serve, is a God who wants you to know what he's about. He wants you to be in a friendship. He wants you to be in relationship. When he says that, hey, I want you to be about my business. I want you to know what's going on. It's because he wants you and him to be in relationship and on the same page, amen? Why don't you bow your heads? If you're here for the first time, we just like to take a little bit of time before we leave to offer this to you. If you're here and, and maybe you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, you've never made the decision to be a Christ follower, if you're in here and you have, but you say, man, I need to reconnect with God. I need to, I need to make a recommitment to my relationship with God. I'm gonna not call you out of your seat. I'm not gonna bring you forward, nothing like that. We're not gonna put you in a class. I just wanna pray with you right where you are. I'll stay here, you'll stay there. Nobody will look around. But on the count of three, if you say, yeah, I need to, I need to make a connection with God again. I need to recommit my life to him. I wanna be a Christ follower. If that's you, when I count to three, I'll just have you raise your hand in a minute. But I wanna encourage you, the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be on your way to heaven. And so I'll pray a prayer. I'll actually have you repeat after me. And that's what will take place. You'll choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you're making an eternal decision to be a Christ follower and to join him in heaven. And so if that's you and I count to three, just, just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Anybody in here? Anybody? Okay. If I didn't see your hand, that's okay. Just we'll, we'll pray here in a minute. But for the rest of us, including me, all of us, let's just pray before we leave that, that God draws us in into a new level of relationship. I believe that the scripture says we go from glory to glory, better to better. It's like when you get married and it's wonderful and you think it's the best. Then you have a kid and you're like, oh, it's even better. I'm sure as you have grandkids and all that stuff, it goes from glory to glory. I believe our relationship with God should do that. It should just get better and better. And so let's just pray this morning that God draws us into a new relationship with him that isn't stuck in the circles that we make it out to be, but it's one that's really authentic and heartfelt. Amen. So let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, if we're, some of us in here maybe making a recommitment towards you, God, we, we just pray for them this morning, Lord, that, that their hearts connect to you and that uh, they find a place of repentance and forgiveness and acknowledgement of you as Lord and Savior. God, the others in here that say, I want to go to a new place with God. I don't want to be stuck in what I've known or the, the box that I've maybe lived in or grown up in. God, we, we want to be in an authentic relationship with you. We want to walk about your business and your kingdom and your heart, uh, Lord, for this earth and for our communities. God, help us to do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.